The Chosen has released episode 3 of season 3, and today I'm going to be talking about all of the little hidden symbolisms, foreshadowings, and little little just little details in general of this amazing episode. And my favorite episode of The Chosen, if you want to hear my thoughts, my full review on this episode of The Chosen, then the link is down below in the description. You can listen to my podcast episode where I share my thoughts on the episode as a whole and get into all those nitty-gritty details and share my thoughts on all the spoiler-y things. Um, and today we're just, I'm not going to be sharing as much of my thoughts, my personal opinions, maybe a little bit, but mostly I'm going to be talking about just general details that are, um, setting up things or referencing things from the Bible or, you know, just general things, things in general, general things, things in general. All right. The first scene of the episode is Jesus as a toddler with Lazarus learning how to walk. And this is kind of, I mean, this is obviously just a little nod to Jesus walking on water, which we probably won't see in the series, unfortunately. I thought we would. I guess we won't. But um, uh, that's that's the first little setup there. And then even after that, uh, we have the title sequence, and then we have Jesus walking home to uh, mother, his mother, Mother Mary. There's this very little interesting scene, which is blink if you miss it, and if you aren't fully paying attention, you might not realize this, but he knocks on the door, but he stands and deliberately waits until his mom comes and opens it and lets him in. And they make a very big point of this, like they emphasize this part, because she even says, you know, why didn't you just come in? I knew it was you. I told you to come in. I said it was Jesus. You could just come in. And he doesn't respond, but he just, he deliberately waits outside the door and doesn't go in. And I um, believe this is a reference to, this is, this is kind of symbolism for how Jesus stands and knocks at the door, but you have to let him into your heart in order to be saved. You have to accept Jesus. So this is kind of a, a symbolism of that kind of dynamic there, which I thought was a beautiful way to portray that because, like, I mean, when you're just writing a, a scene and you're just like, Jesus comes and knocks on the door and, like, comes in. Like, that that's a scene that could very easily just be that. But the writers and Dallas are so clever that they had to, they felt the need to include this beautiful, you know, symbolism for this event that happens. Um, and I thought that was very, very cool. Uh, other thing here, we have um, bread, which is, you know, Jesus has a lot to do with bread in the Bible. You know, he says his body is the bread. There's a lot of bread symbolism, but uh, there's there's this little point of Mary adding raisins into uh, the bread, and Jesus does not like the raisins added. This could be um, maybe a reference to people maybe adding to the Bible or adding to, you know, um, like Jesus, and Jesus doesn't like that. He just wants the pure bread itself. That could be a reference to that. Also, in this scene where he's talking with Mother Mary, he mentions that there was a brown dog at the gate of uh, Nazareth that would always sit there and watch, and Mother Mary mentions that it's gone now. It died. And Jesus says that he always noticed the dog, and he is kind of sad that it is now dead. This is obviously just kind of portraying the character of Jesus in which he notices those that are uh, usually cast aside by what we think society is and those who are kind of left on the side and, and kind of, you know, not as much accepted into the main group. Jesus always, you know, is there and sees everyone and knows knows that you are there whether you know it or not. And then uh, after that, Jesus goes to get the box, is a mule's bridle and spit, and we'll get into that in a second, uh, what that could be foreshadowing, but... um. As he's going up to this upper room that is in most Jewish houses, and then I believe this is the most like accurate Jewish architecture that we've seen in the whole show so far. Not just like it's a house, like it's actually like it's the structure of what a house is described as being in the Bible, a Jewish house for this time period. As he's going there, he calls by name his sheep that he has there, 
and their names are Cain and Abel. And this is a very interesting reference because Cain and Abel is obviously a very tragic story. One would say a cautionary tale, one of those stories in the Bible that's like told as like this happened, but like don't do this, you know, like <laughs> Cain, you know, obviously killed Abel in a very violent and brutal way. Uh, so very interesting that his that Jesus, the Messiah, would have sheep named Cain and Abel. Now, maybe these sheep were named by Joseph, who we know from this episode likes to be kind of silly and likes to play around. So maybe he named them Cain and Abel as a joke. But nonetheless, very interesting that Jesus has sheep named Cain and Abel. Um, very interesting um, de- detail to emphasize there. Um, but the next day is Rosh Hashanah, which is the Jewish New Year. And Jesus talks with a lot of different people here at this uh, Rosh Hashanah. But uh, most of this scene is really just the purpose of it is to learn a lot more about what the show portrays Jesus' backstory is, Jesus' childhood, his formative years, per se, as, you know, it portrays Jesus as an awkward, you know, kind of shy teenager uh, who wasn't good at sports, as we can see, and is really just a very down-to-earth person in general and is not very, you know, flashy or, um, which is very consistent with how he's described in the Bible and as like, I mean, he was born, people have to remember, I saw some people online saying that, like, apparently people were saying that um, this took away from the divinity of Jesus, but I think this just emphasizes another part of Jesus that we don't think about as often, because, I mean, remember, uh, we just had Christmas, um, and he was born in a manger, he was born in a feeding trough for animals, that's about as humble as you can get when it comes to, you know, birthplaces, unless you're just, I don't know, born in, like, no, you can't really get much lower than that. So, um, the very the humblest way to come into the world, obviously, someone who has that humble of beginnings is going to be a pretty down to earth person for the rest of his life. But the, really, the purpose of the scene is just to, again to show Jesus was very humble, very shy, very you know down to earth person. And um, as the scene kind of goes on, he talks to Rabbi Benjamin, he talks to Mary and Martha, which is obviously a foreshadow of um, Lazarus's death and resurrection. Um, and Mary takes particular interest and obviously belief in Jesus, which is reminiscent of how it's like she she really believed in him. I think she gets kind of overlooked in the Bible as as like one of these people who really did. Like everyone's like, oh, Peter, he's like, you're the son of God. Peter believed. He was a true believer. Wow, look at Peter. Isn't he so great? But like um, Mary really believed that Jesus was the Messiah. Like she really did. She was one of the, the first people who, who was really like, like, really believe that, and I think that gets kind of overlooked in the Bible, but in this show, obviously, they're they're setting up the fact that she's very much a believer in Jesus, uh, just super enthusiastic about everything he does, and um, like she's very much believing in Jesus, so obviously set up for when Lazarus dies and gets resurrected and that kind of whole story there, um, but we get the big scene where Jesus is playing Trigon, a game of Trigon, and he is infamously or i guess famously i don't know he's very bad at sports like he's not good he loses the game and this is just kind of you know setting up jesus as i think this is this there's a there's some shock factor to i think some of the decisions made in the chosen some decisions i don't know if are one thousand percent based on is this the best route and the most believable route for the character i think sometimes some decisions in the show are made to be at least a little bit, like, out of a, an attitude of wanting to subvert expectations. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, but I don't think um, all of the choices made in the story are 110% just purely story value. I think there's at least a little bit of just, like, we, we, we want to subvert expectations and get a little shock value out of it, which is 
something that we all love from The Chosen, right? It subverts expectations. It does things differently, get used to different, you know, but I don't know if that's all the time just purely based on a story motivation. Um, and this is not wrong, and this is not a, like, an inaccurate portrayal of Jesus because Jesus can literally do anything that's not sinning, right? So him being bad at sports is not a sin, so he is allowed to be bad at sports, and it is believable and it is plausible that Jesus would not be the best at sports. I mean, this is not really his thing. His thing is obviously public speaking, and usually public speakers are not that great at sports. They can be, but, you know, it's either like brains or brawn, you know what I mean? So I think Jesus is, it is very believable that Jesus would have been um, a, uh, a bit of a, a clumsy person when it comes to athletics and sports. Uh, but nonetheless, a very cool scene, very funny scene anyway. Um, and then we have the big, intense, you know, build up to this scene where Jesus announces himself as the Messiah and the classic line, I am the law of Moses. Um, and in this scene, there's a lot of interesting cinematography here. Obviously, the set is very cool in the way the lighting is to where you have this kind of this room with a bunch of people in it. And in the center, there's this giant kind of box with light shining down into the room, casting light on Jesus. And then in the back, or at the walls of the room, you have all these candles scattered about. And uh, Jesus, after he finished reading the scroll from Isaiah, he sits down and kind of as he's talking and building up to... There's there's some interesting uh, ways to build tension here in the scene. The way the music kind of builds and rises and intensifies. And uh, the way the camera is shifting back and forth as Jesus is talking. Like he'll... As he's talking and building up to kind of referencing himself being the Messiah, camera kind of shifts around to the left side of Jesus. It shifts to the right for us with the left. Jesus is left. Um, if you're wondering what I'm Kind of shifts to Jesus' left and shifts back to his right side as he kind of maybe calms down and comes off of it a little bit. But the way the scene is structured is very well done to where the intensity builds and then it kind of lets it go and goes down a little bit and then it builds again. And just that nice kind of roller coaster of a scene to where. Uh, this is all very, like, serious and super, like, this is very serious stuff to these people at this time. Everything that Jesus might be claiming to be, even claiming to be, you know, a prophet, is very offensive to them at this time because, obviously, they thought he wasn't. So, the everything he's saying is having serious weight and everyone's kind of just leaning in very closely, listening to make sure if he says something wrong, then they're going to invoke serious punishment, come down swiftly and without mercy, upon Jesus for anything that he says that would be considered blasphemous to them. So the way the kind of scene is, is built and, and like portraying this intensity um, is very well done. And the music and the cinematography and, of course, Jonathan's acting. And everyone's, everyone's acting. Very well done. And then, of course, you know, we have the big build-up where he does say, yes, I'm claiming to be the Messiah. And then, and then Rabbi Benjamin claims false teacher and uh, everyone knows that the penalty is death. So, um, this kind of, and we have this like electric guitar little riff there. Very cool. I really liked the way that sounded. We get it a few times in the episode. Um, but Jesus also says, I am the law of Moses. And this whole scene just was very, very cool. And then Jesus is taken out and taken out to a cliff to be thrown off, which is a passage that we see in the Bible. And this scene, the most interesting part of this scene is the way Jesus escapes is he casts a little bit of like a mini miracle here where he like freezes everyone. Like everyone's just kind of frozen. He just says, this is not going to happen today. And then he walks through the crowd and just escapes. This is not necessarily in the Bible. Like in the Bible, it just says he passes through the crowd's mist. Midst, um, 
And it does, it's unclear how he kind of escaped this penalty that they were trying to evoke on him. It could have meant a number of things. It could have meant he just, like, slipped away, like, escapes, like, he just, like... They're like taking him, and they're like, "Come here!" And then he, they, he's like, "Look over there," or something. That obviously not how that would 100% play out, um, but something like that, you know, like like he just like disappears, like he he stealthily slips away. Whereas in this one, it's very much like he can't escape it. The way the scene was set up, Rafi and the other guy were like carrying him to the cliff, so there's really no escape for him there. He can't like just like be like, "Look over there!" Oh, he's gone! Like they they're grabbing him, they're holding him there. Um, so. The way he escaped, I thought, was a very interesting portrayal of how he just kind of is like, this isn't going to happen, and he just walks off. Very cool kind of mic drop moment. Um, and then we get to a scene where there's, which isn't in the Bible, which is Jesus comes to Joseph's tomb and uh, kind of reminisces about this this bridal, this donkey-spitting bridal, which also another side note, little bit of foreshadowing again here, where Joseph is nailing something, he's hammering something in, and he has Jesus help him hammer a nail into a wood plank, which is obviously a little bit of a foreshadowing of what is holding Jesus on the cross. Uh, and he says that the men in their family can nail nails in with one fell swoop. Uh, obviously, just a little bit of... You, know, you can't lie, there's a little bit of foreshadowing there for what's to come um, in a few years here. But um, after that, he, he opens the box, and he gives Jesus this donkey's... this mule spit and bridle. Um, and he says it was carried by one of their ancestors when they escaped from Egypt, and now it's passed down from generation to generation for 40 generations, and now he's giving it to Jesus, and he says he j- says that jokingly, you know, maybe someone will have some use for it someday, and this is uh, pretty clearly a setup for Jesus riding into Jerusalem after he raises Lazarus from the dead one week before he is crucified on Passover, or uh, on Palm Sunday. Um, this is... I'm bet, willing to bet money that Jesus is going to use this bridle to ride into Nazareth on his donkey. Um, and it's going to be very, very cool. Like, super awesome. Just kind of how they tied this in and gave this backstory to this bridle. Which, they, again, they didn't necessarily have to do. But when they did it, it added so much more emotional resonance and depth. And just so much more awesomeness to the story. And um, after this, we have Mary and Lazarus come, come in and, and find Jesus. And... Lazarus asks about the bridal, and Jesus says, you'll find out soon, which is obviously foreshadowing how uh, Jesus rides into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday right after he raises Lazarus from the dead. So Lazarus will find out about that and probably be there when Jesus rides in on Palm Sunday. That is what that is referencing. Um, And then that's basically where the episode ends. And by the way, soon is not funny anymore. It's just depressing because it's referring to Jesus being crucified. And a lot of people pointing this out. We're out of the honeymoon phase now. We're not all, oh, ha, ha, jokey disciples, you know, having fun. Jesus laugh, ha, ha. Well, be, obviously, the humor will continue throughout the entire show. Probably not as much when we're getting closer to the uh, the big event. But um, I think the humor will still be very prevalent throughout. Because it's the same, you know, tone of The Chosen. Um, but um, I think this episode is my favorite episode of the entire show. It was super awesome, super cool, super emotional. Also funny at times, and the cinematography was amazing, the music was amazing, super, super cool episode, I loved it so much, and I hope you did too, and if you loved this video, then make sure to check out all my other Chosen-related videos on my YouTube channel, Um, and uh, make sure to subscribe and click that notification bell so you can be notified whenever I post a new video, because I'm going to be posting lots of Chosen content as the new episodes drop, and um, I will see you guys in my next video, Bye bye I was one way